Well, I invite you to turn to our, our passage this morning. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 12. It's printed out in your, in your bulletin over on page 3. This fall, we've been doing a sermon series that we're calling The Church and All Her Servants. Uh, it's, it's connected with uh, some of the details of the life of our body as we're considering adding an additional elder, an additional deacon here at Emmanuel. We're taking that opportunity to rest, ask some really important questions. What exactly is it? What exactly is a deacon? Uh, are there any other important servants in the church, or is that it? Uh, for that matter, what exactly is the church, and what should the church be about? And that's what we're trying to study using, using God's word. We've already looked at, at uh, 1 Peter 2, and that picture of the church as, as living stones brought to, brought to God on the cornerstone of Jesus, and God dwelling among us as we offer sacrifices of praise we learned from the Lord's Supper last week uh, about how the death of Christ is what brings us together. And, and this week we're back in 1 Corinthians, looking at chapter 12, and learning more about what the church is and seeing how that immediately helps us understand what the servants in the church look like and are supposed to be about. Uh, so let's read together 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 12 to 26. Listen to God's word. For just as the body is one and has many members, so all, and, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and, we were, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor, again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our presentable parts are treated with greater our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Let's pray. Father, this is your word, and these are your people, and this is your church, so we pray that you would use your word to build up and bless 
Lord, work through uh, the, the mouth that speaks and the ears that listen and the hearts that receive your truth, uh, that you might be glorified in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I mentioned last week that if you ever look around at the church and feel like you see the church as just a mess, then 1 Corinthians is your book. Uh, because Paul introduces us to this first century congregation that's pretty much a mess. All sorts of difficulties and problems, and it, it reminds us that there's always been problems in the church ever since the beginning, so nothing new under the sun. Uh, but also we see how Paul addresses those problems, uh, giving God's instruction on how to, how to build up the body, how to grow and mature as a, as a church. And, and, and since we want to do a similar thing here, uh, we can give, uh, give attention. So Paul is addressing, uh, in this passage in particular, the fact that in the Corinthian congregation, there are lots and lots of divisions. And a big part, a big cause of these divisions has to do with differing uh, spiritual gifts, uh, differing individuals who have uh, who have different abilities and are gifted uh, by the Lord in different ways. And there's this kind of assumption that, that a couple of particular kinds of gifts are, well, of course, they're the important ones. And so if you have those, then, well, you're important. But if you don't, well, not so much. Not so necessary. Not so needed. And you can see how that would cause divisions within, within the church. Uh, of course, maybe you can connect it to, to the life of Emmanuel, even where we are. Even as we're thinking about, should we, should we add another elder? Should we add another deacon? Um, well, are, are they the really important people? Uh, yeah, we need, we, need, we need people like that. Well, what if you don't have those gifts? Don't have that calling? Does that mean you're a little more dispensable? Right? We really need them, but maybe you need... Is that what we're saying? Is that what God intends? If not, what's the, what's the biblical picture? And of course, that's exactly how Paul d does it, how he teaches. He uses a picture. And that's where we'll start. We'll talk about the picture, the plan, and the power behind it all. Uh, kids, did you catch the picture that Paul is using, the illustration, uh, the object lesson that he's using? He's basically saying, picture a human body. And he says, that's, that's a, gives you an idea of what the church is. So picture a human body. You actually don't even need to use your imagination. You just look down and you get an idea. Your, your body, a lot of different parts, right? You can even just look down and, okay, I got hands, I got feet, legs, ears, nose, all these different parts. Uh, they look wildly different, right? And yet, there's just one you, right? You're, you're there, you're not up here. One you. And yet you're made up of all these different parts. And Paul says, that's the church. That's an illustration of, of what the church is, uh, is about. It's one body. One body. And yet it's made up of many, many parts that look wildly different. Uh, so it is with Christ, he says. Christ's body, the church. He gives, verse 13, the, the power behind it. Where did this come from? How, why is it this way? What's the power behind this? Uh, verse 13. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So the work of the Holy Spirit 
If you're, if you're a child of God, then it's because the Spirit worked in your life. It's because the Spirit changed your heart and opened your eyes uh, and, and rescued uh, you. If you're a child of God, it's because the Spirit worked in your life. Um, and, and here he, he pictures the work of the Spirit by connecting it to the symbol of, of baptism. Um, but he's using baptism to, to remind us that, that there's really two aspects to our salvation. That it's not just what we are saved from, but also what we're saved into. Right? This is the work of God. He saves us from something and saves us into something. Uh, and baptism pictures both what God saves us from and also what God saves us to through the power of the Spirit. So God, of course, saves us from something. He saves us from our sin and the death that that sin deserves. And you can see how baptism pictures that, right? Sin is like, uh, is like dirt on the inside. Right? We're unclean before a holy God because we rebelled against him. And that washing with water pictures that God, through the death of Jesus on the cross in our place, washes us clean. Uh, so that we're no longer under that guilt and that death, right? Baptism, the work of the Spirit pictured as what we're saved from. But we're also saved into something, that is, into the church. Uh, we're all baptized into one body. Uh, we're all made to drink of the one Spirit, right? So if you're, if you're saved by the power of the Holy Spirit, and I'm saved by the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, you're saved as a child of God, and I'm saved as a child of God, then that means we're connected, right? We share in the work of that same Spirit. And, and, and again, it's pictured by baptism. Baptism pictures not only our salvation from sin, but into the body of Christ, right? It's that, that sacrament that we don't repeat a lot because it's a, it's a, we don't repeat in someone's life because it's the, the sacrament of entry into the Christian life initiation, right? What you're saved into and into not just relationship with God, but relationship to each other. Uh, and so and then Paul is using that as an opportunity to describe how wildly different individuals, because they all are uh, sharing the same spirit uh, pictured by the one baptism, how wildly different individuals can end up connected in the same body. Uh, the same church. He actually names some extremes of their of the first century world. He names the ethnic extremes, right? Jew, Gentile. He names economic extremes, slave, free. Uh, to, to give this picture of very wildly different people, uh, but yet they're united because, uh, because the one spirit rescued them from sin and into the same church, into the same body, right? Human body, wildly different looking parts, uh, but all connected in the same human body. And Paul says that's the church, and the and the power behind it uh, is the is the power is the power of God. Which is you can start to see how this is important to remember uh, where the where the power comes from, right? That it really does uh, really does come from the Lord. And we're going to be talking about some challenging things. Uh, the idea that, that God put very different people together uh, and, and, and called them to be together. And so there's obstacles that have to be overcome. 
uh, as we're tempted to rub each other the wrong way and not work well together and divisions are always a problem and you know this is this is these are difficult things difficult obstacles to be overcome it's good to remember where the power actually comes from uh, that that the church of christ wasn't wasn't our idea that's not something that, that we kind of came up with and we got to figure out how to make it work right but this is all of god he planned it and he empowered it uh, right it's the the plan of the father to rescue his people uh, it's the it's the work of the son who gave his body on the cross to create his body, the church. It's the work of the Spirit that takes those who are blind and makes them see and saves them out of sin and into, uh, into the family of God, into the church. So the very idea that this is the, the plan of God and the power of God at work, it can give us real, real confidence as we, as we talk about church life. Uh, because, well, it's from him. And he'll give us the strength. Uh, we can expect uh, to see him working, right? We can, we can kind of get closer, as opposed to like being tempted to back away. We can get closer thinking, like, well, I expect to see God at work because, well, this is what he does. This is his plan, and this is his power behind it. Okay, then we go to our next point, which is how Paul transitions to a number of problems that come up within the body, and then the, the God-centered truth that brings the solutions so you could, you could talk about two different problems uh, that Paul, uh, Paul lays out. You could call them this, the error of self-doubt and the error of self-exaltation. Uh, so he introduces it, verse 14, by restating his main point, which is, for the body does not consist of one member, but many. Now, member we, is, means like part, part of the body. Uh, so the church, like a, like a human body, many different parts, many different members, uh, and yet they're one, uh, that's the church, well, that could bring up two different problems. First, verse 15, uh, self-doubt, right? If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Uh, or he then switches it in verse 16, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, then I'm not a part of the body. Uh, this was a, this was a real problem in the in the church in Corinth. Again, you had you had divisions cropping up uh, because there was this assumption that were there were certain gifts that were the really really important ones. Uh, it happened to be things like speaking in tongues and prophecy, and um, uh, but but it, it actually could you could change the the details and get the same result. Certain gifts and therefore certain people they got the important roles. They're the important servants. So if you happen to have those gifts, the church needs you, you're important. But if you don't, right, you can imagine yourself, well, I don't have those gifts. I guess I'm not important. Right? Uh, and and that's, that's exactly what Paul's getting at here. What if you look and say, well, I don't have the thing that everybody thinks is essential. Um, okay, maybe it's not in our circles speaking in tongues. Um, what would it be for us? What would be the, the kinds of gifts and roles that we think, ah, that's the important stuff. We really need that. Um, maybe it would be things like teaching gifts. Uh, maybe it would be things like musical gifts. Wait, you play the piano? Come on in. Right? You, you know, like, that's the important stuff, right? right? We, we need those people. We need those gifts. But what happens if you, you don't? You're not gifted as a teacher. You don't play the piano or whatever. But not so important? 
we don't really need you. That maybe is, you're tempted, you're tempted to think that way. Maybe even you feel like the church has encouraged you to feel that way. That could be. Sadly, that happens. Uh, what happens when there's this kind of self-doubt of like, well, I, I don't have that, and that's the important stuff, and therefore I, I guess I'm, I'm not really essential. I'm not a, a, a real part, uh, an essential part. The church could go on without me. Uh, it's basically the first, the, the, the verse 15 error. Because I'm not a hand, I'm not important. Of course, there is the opposite error, which what he, this is what he gets to in verse 21. Uh, this is the error of self-exaltation. 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. This is kind of just flipping it around. Say you're one of the individuals who has one of those supposedly really, really essential gifts. Uh, and then it's so easy to say, well, I have what's really important, but this other person, not so essential. Right? We could go on without that. Now, maybe you would never be tempted to actually say that. You really don't need them. But is, do we sometimes slip into that, into that mentality a little bit? Uh, you know, maybe it comes out in thinking, well, you know what? If, if we just did things my way, all the problems would be solved. Um, or, or maybe it comes out in there's a particular individual in the church and they, they just rub you the wrong way. And you, you, you really hope on a Sunday after everybody's chatting after the service, I really don't, I really hope I don't have to talk to them. Like hopefully maybe I slip out without having to, you know, kind of essentially thinking, yeah, this person, that person, it really actually might be better if they weren't here. We could, we could get along without them. Maybe you don't say that, but maybe you kind of tempted to act that way. Right? I'm needed, I'm essential, but then maybe, maybe not so much. It's kind of the, it is the verse 21 error. The eye saying uh, to the hand, I have no need of you. Because you're not like me, we really don't have need of you. And you could see how these two problems would cause a mess in a congregation. And they were uh, in the Corinthian church. And of course, if we're not careful, they could cause a mess here. How do you fight back? How do you guard against it? Again, it's the power of God. It's, it's strengthened by his grace. But his grace gives us grace to embrace what's true. And so we go to Paul's uh, gospel-centered solutions, this truth that, uh, that fights against these errors. We could mention two things, kind of summarizing what Paul's saying. First, by saying, remind yourself that God wants unity, not uniformity. God wants unity, not uniformity. So unity, uh, that's when all the different parts are working for the same goal. They're, they're united in, in going after the same purpose, the same goal, which is very different than saying uniformity, which is all the parts are identical. Right? Unity, all the different parts working for the same goal, that's essential. That's what God wants. Uniformity, that's actually a disaster. Right? And he, he tries to illustrate it, even being a little, uh, a little ridiculous, it's it sounding, because it is a ridiculous idea. So verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, even just picture, can you, kids, can you picture it? Your, your whole body is an eye. That's all you got. That wouldn't be good. That would be a disaster, right? Where would the sense of, of hearing be? 
the whole body were an ear. Where would the sense of, of, of smell be? I heard one pastor uh, picture it this way. He said, imagine yourself sitting down to, uh, to a big meal, you know, maybe Thanksgiving, you're already dreaming about Thanksgiving dinner, and you sit down to Thanksgiving dinner, but your whole body is just an eye. That's all you got. Well, your Thanksgiving dinner, it's not going to work well, right? You can see how good it is, but you're not going to enjoy it, unless you have a mouth, and you have hands, and so on and so forth. Right? The very fact that your real body has wildly different parts means you can actually enjoy the way it's supposed to be, the way it's designed. But if everything were just the same, either just one eye or a whole bunch of eyes, then it's a disaster. Uh, and, and, and Paul says that's, that's what God's plan is with the church. Uh, his plan is that we would have wildly different parts. And then that's not... That's not a, a weakness that we strive to overcome or overlook. It's actually the strength. It's, it's the plan. It's the purpose. Uh, let's, let's do a quick thought experiment. Uh, think to yourself, imagine, what would the ideal church look like? For, for you, as you, as you kind of picture, you know, for me, the ideal church would look like, and you kind of just... Kind of start to form a picture. What what kind of people would compose the, the ideal church for you? Um, I bet that if most of us are honest with ourselves, what we tend to picture is a church filled with people that are a lot like us. Uh, not just like us, and since they look like us, though that may be part, maybe part of it, uh, but people that are a lot like us, and there's a lot of people in this church that happen to be the exact same age and stage of life as me, people I can relate to, um, uh, people who have the same kinds of uh, gifts and passions in the Christian life, right? That they talk about their faith in, in almost the exact same way. I can connect with those kind of people. Um, yeah, people who have similar convictions uh, about aspects of, of life in the world. Uh, so if everybody in this hypothetical church uh, were active on social media and they were always posting their kind of two thought, two cents on the issues of the day, uh, the people in this church were, would always be the people that you and I would say, yeah, that's, I would say it that way. Thumbs up to that. Uh, ideally, we'd have a church that kind of looked like that. Um, in other words, the ideal church, the church that kind of looks a lot like me. And if the real, actual church doesn't look a whole lot like me, then what that is is kind of a, a weakness, and I just need to bear with it or, or overcome it or, or kind of be patient with it. Um, but notice how Paul is actually painting a very, very different picture here. Uh, his picture is actually uh, a church that's wildly different uh, in makeup, wildly different parts, like as different as eye is to an ear, uh, and, and yet, and yet, that's actually the plan. That's actually the purpose. It's not a weakness that you hope to overcome. It's it's a strength that gets put to use for the strengthening of the body. And and you start to get the idea, right? You could go, you can go back to the Thanksgiving table. Why does it Why does it work uh, to have parts of the body that are wildly different at the Thanksgiving table? Well, because you can do things with wildly different parts at that table that you could never do if it were all one part. Right? All eyes, you can't eat. 
but you can accomplish a quite a bit at that table uh, if you're if the parts are wildly different. So it is with the, with the church. Uh, we can accomplish more, better to God's glory if we are wildly different in makeup. Right? It's united by the same thing. It's united by the same Spirit. Uh, saving us from the same sin and then drink of that spirit. It's Christ that unites us. Uh, and so the, there, there's that commonality in Christ. But the fact that there's a, there's a lot of difference, uh, that's actually how God planned it. So look at, look at verse 18. Um, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. God, God designed it this way. And you can even, you can even say that as you, as you kind of walk into church and maybe you're tempted to kind of bristle or, or against someone or even just think, okay, this person's essential and that, okay. Um, you can remind yourself, God actually sovereignly put the thing together. Um, or, or you could ask this kind of snarky question, maybe God actually knew what he was doing. Maybe God actually knew what he was doing. And that is his purpose in putting the Corinthian congregation together, and they look very, very different, and they're tempted to fight with one another and be divided. Maybe God actually knew what he was doing. And it wasn't God out to make their lives miserable, but God out to do something with them that they could never do if they were all the same. Um, okay. But what happens if you don't see it? Right? It's, it's kind of one thing to talk about it theoretically. Okay, God has this plan. But what happens if you kind of show up in church life and you just like, okay, but I don't, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see how that, that particular person or gift or, or, or I don't see how that fits in. Maybe you say that about yourself. Okay, God's saying I'm, I'm essential, but I don't really see it. I can see about them, but me, I kind of, I don't, I don't see it. What do you do then? Well, I think Paul encourages us here, when you don't see it, don't pull back, lean in. Right? Uh, usually when something doesn't make sense to us, uh, our first temptation is, this is the clue for me to back away. Um, but Paul actually says, no, what you actually should do is when you don't see it, take a closer look. Now look at verse 22. Uh, he says, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker. In other words, you, you take a first look at this part, you take a second look, you even take a third look. It seems weak. He says, actually, it's indispensable. All right, so as, as opposed to kind of taking a first look and being like, doesn't look, look that important, and so I'll back off. Uh, actually, he says, take a closer look. It's actually indispensable. Uh, right? Maybe you see it. Maybe you don't. Uh, but, but look for it. Expect it. Uh, lean in, as opposed to back away. you have time for a quick story? Sure. Uh, okay. Uh, rhetorical question. You're going to say no? Um, so, uh, a very, very, very dear brother uh, I've known for 20 plus years. Uh, anyway, he, he was telling me a couple years ago about this, this pair of surgeries that he had. 
Both, both abdominal surgeries had difficulties with his small intestines. Um, you remember biology class, right? Small intestines, you got like something like 22 feet of this kind of stuff just coiled up inside. And uh, Anyway, he had two different surgeries separated by something like 25 years. So the, the first surgery, like 25 years ago, uh, he had some kind of obstruction or blockage there. Pretty serious stuff. Uh, so, they, so they went in to, surgically to fix it. And, and the, the prevailing wisdom of the time was, you know, if you get like a blockage in kind of where the intestine kind of makes a turn, uh, that, that the, the best, quickest way to fix it is you just kind of create a bypass. You kind of, kind of make a little detour, shortcut. So either kind of the bad part, oh, we'll just detour that. You kind of stitch it together. And that's what they did. Uh, he had this problem. They created this little shortcut. And after all, you got 22 feet of this, this little bit, couple inches. Don't need that. Just kind of put the two pieces together. Um, and then he was saying, like, okay, so then for all these years, I just had these weird symptoms. Didn't quite know what they were all about. Just kind of weird collection of things. I forget all the details, but things like, you know, fatigue all the time and, and uh, problems with his teeth, if I remember correctly, and, and problems with uh, just other, like, weird things, headaches and stuff. Nothing that'll kill you, but just, like, annoying things that he just had to kind of bear with for all these years. Then, kind of 25 years after the first surgery, he has a similar kind of thing. Uh, and, he has, and they have to go in again. But now they have this brand new procedure where they can not only fix things, but they can actually reconnect stuff that was bypassed before. And that's what they did. This old surgery, they uh, were, what was kind of this little shortcut bypass, they actually uh, separated it, put it all back together. So now, after the second surgery, 25 years later, he has every little inch of his God-given intestines intact and working again. It's really intense surgery, big, big recovery, but it, but it worked. And I was talking to him a couple months afterwards, and he said, "You know what? All those symptoms, they disappeared, gone." Now he because explained uh, he was worked in the medical world. He said, "Yeah, they actually figured out." Uh, research that, that actually every little bit of that intestine is actually important. It actually does slightly different things. So if you kind of cut out even a couple inches, your body suffers because of it. You lose something, right? You start to get kind of connection. Here was this idea was, was ah, here's just a couple inches. You got 22 feet. We don't need that, right? The, the part of the body you might think the most dispensable. Well, actually, it turned out, take a closer look. Uh, you actually, that's actually essential for the body to work well. And, and that's the kind of picture that Paul's painting. Right? The very kinds of things in the church that we might be tempted to think, like, okay, we could we could bypass that. Uh, you know, we, we could bypass that gift or or or, or that uh, you know passion or person, or you know, we could get along just fine without. And Paul says, actually, those parts that might seem weaker, right? Actually indispensable. Uh, so as opposed to kind of backing away. Actually, take a closer look. Maybe you'll see it. Maybe it'll take 25 years, like in the medical world. Uh, maybe, maybe you won't see it until heaven. Uh, but we, we take it at, at faith in what God said. If God designed all, all the different things, uh, like the body itself, God knew what he was doing. God knew what he was doing. Uh, and so we endeavor in, in faith to, uh, to, 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 to lean in 
to take a look to even the very things that seem weak. And maybe that, that, that weak part, that dispensable part is, is how you feel about yourself. Like, okay, I, I'm the part that, you know, you could bypass me and everything's going to be fine in the church. Right? Maybe that's how you're tempted to think about yourself. Nobody would miss me if I, if I just kind of vanished. Um, okay, maybe it seems that way to you. But God says, take a closer look, and at minimum, take him on, take it at face value that God actually knew what he was doing. Uh, that he put all the parts together because all the parts are essential for the body to work together to do what it's supposed to do. Uh, which is implied here. It got explicit in Ephesians. Mark Paul, we read this morning, Paul says the body, all the parts working together, that the body is built up, is matured, that we're strengthened in our knowledge and service to Christ uh, precisely because all the different parts are, are working together for that same common goal. Actually, you get some of those results uh, mentioned even here, and that's where we'll just the final quick point there in your outline uh, the planned body results. Here, looking at, at verse uh, 25 and 26, uh, what does he say? What, what, what happens uh, when, when, when this starts to, to work together, all the parts work together? This is uh, verse, uh, verse 25. One, that there may be no division in the body. Right? If all the parts are, are working together and are, and are valued, uh, then all of a sudden the differences that might have that might have kind of kept us uh, at a distance or even, or even bitterly divided, those differences now all of a sudden of, oh, wow, we, we need you. This is helpful. Uh, this is essential. Or even if I don't see it, God's using this. So the divisions are, are kept away from the body. Uh, second, he says, the members have the same care for one another, uh, which is how the, how the verse continues, that there may be no division, but the members have the same care for each other. The more, the more we appreciate God's design in the different parts of the body, the more we're going to be careful to, to, to make sure that, that there's no neglected part. So it's not just, you play the piano? Come on, come on in. Uh, but, but you're in Christ? You love Jesus? We need you. You're needed in the church. Whether it's this church or another church, but, but you get the idea. You're, you're needed. Because there is no dispensable part. So there's no, no difference in care no caring for one versus another, because everything is essential. Uh, and third, we experience life together, which is part of the goal. Verse 26, talking about, uh, about when one member suffers, all suffer. Uh, at the same time, if one member is honored, all rejoice. Uh, that the body is doing what it's supposed to, right? That we weep with those who weep, we rejoice with those who rejoice, as God uh, strengthens and matures us, Together, in one part, we're all blessed. Uh, there's, there's no no competition. It's actually excitement uh, to to rejoice in the in the honoring of some, uh, or or to weep and bear and be there for the parts that are that are suffering because it's the whole body that's uh, that is affected. You start to see how it fits together, right? God's God's purpose, God's plan. Right? This is what the, the Father planned from before the foundation of the world. This is what the Son gave his physical body to accomplish, the, the saving of his spiritual body the church. This is what the Spirit was sent to do, uh, to bring people in and to give people gifts. Also that, that the body might be unified, right? One Savior, uh, one purpose, uh, the building up of the body and the, and the witness of Christ, 
one purpose, uh, but, but very different parts accomplishing it. Yeah, because it's like a body. Uh, and, and you need all the different parts, even those parts that you might not guess. Uh, it's needed. And you see how, therefore, God gets all the glory in it. Right? Why we can't be proud in ourselves, because, look, this is what God did. Uh, and yes, we'll continue to struggle with it. Uh, right when you have when you have those who continue to sin and struggle with sin put together, we're, we're going to struggle. There's going to be Corinthian-like challenges. We can expect that. Uh, but if the spirits at work, we can expect also that God's going to mature. He's going to grow. He's going to help us. Uh, and of course, we look forward to the day when the whole body will be together, and there'll be no divisions. Uh, there'll be no friction. We're going to look very different. We're going to be with all our, our individuality there in heaven, but it will be one song we'll sing. It'll be one Savior that we'll rejoice in. And, and, we'll, and we'll be able to fully appreciate what God has done in saving this people. That's pretty good. Father, we do pray that you would be glorified in your people, the body of Christ, Lord, as it, as it exists around the world, and even, even quite specifically as it exists here in Emmanuel, Lord, we pray that we would have more and more your heart, your vision, uh, your love, and we pray that your body would glorify you as, as the body's built up and the, the message of Christ brings forth. We do ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.